The views expressed on the patient's perspective come directly from patients, so they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or replace professional medical advice. Information coming from the patient's perspective is for entertainment and educational purposes only. So if you have any health concerns regarding yourself or anyone else, please see a physician. The Patient's Perspective is a podcast created by patients for patients and does not focus on any specific disease or condition. Content may make you laugh, cry, and question your moral beliefs surrounding healthcare and the many issues patients run into while in the system. Finally, the most important point of view is cast into the light. The Patient's Perspective. Yeah, so I I literally said this is it. This is the last effing time I'm ever going into the MS clinic. Just weeks ago, Kyla, before we started this thing. And it's the whole reason I'm here. It's the whole reason that we're doing the other things that we're doing. But I was I was given a new neurologist. I was told that going to the going back to the ms clinic as opposed to i had a neurologist in a private practice who who also didn't understand me and called called people together my primary health team to, team together um including my old nurse practitioner and my social worker who my social worker is amazing and he gets me right but he called this conference call this neurologist called a conference call because i was talking about allergy symptoms and inflammation and how that could affect my ms and he said, yes, if that's what's happening. But I see here that an immunologist has said that that's not it. And that's the eye roll immunologist that told me I read too much internet, right? So it all kind of tracks back. They had this conference meeting and they're using the words paranoia. Like they are not mental health professionals and they have no right to use words like that in my medical health files. But like the very last appointment was weeks ago. And... I was sitting in the MS clinic and I was asked what was wrong. And it had been <clears throat> like four ambulance rides that I didn't call myself and all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And me trying to explain that. And he said to me, well, you're only going to see, this was a resident. He said, you're only going to see the neurologist for five minutes. He said, what is the one most important issue to you today? I had a grocery list that I walked in there with. So tears start streaming down my face and I just stare off out the window because I'm like, mm -hmm. here we go again. It's this is never, no. I am, I was so angry and I'm an emotional person. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. And I was reflecting on that and the tears just started flowing. And he asked me, do you need a social worker? Immediately. I said, no, thank you. I have an amazing social worker who I see like every three weeks. It's not a big deal. Thank you very much. Can I see the doctor now? So the doctor comes in and I told him, he's like, so why are you a new patient in my clinic? And I said, because my neurologist thinks that I will have a better chance here, given the complexity of all the things that I'm dealing with, because I will have access to the hospital and specialists. He says, no, no, we don't do that here. We don't, we don't, you have to refer, go back to your primary care provider for a referral. And so more tears start streaming down my face. I don't say anything. I'm not sobbing. They're just tears. Okay. I'm reflecting and I'm crying and I'm staring off out the window because I'm like, this is it. This is the last straw. I'm not doing this again. I can't handle fighting for help anymore. Right. 
he asks me twice after that, are you sure you don't need a social worker? Mm-hmm. Are mm-hmm. you sure you don't need a social worker? And then because I have tears streaming down my face, and this is, this is a, a young man, by all rights, younger than me, um, who is the authority on my health, is supposed to be the most important relationship in my life. And he's not hearing me when I say, no, I take care of my own mental health. Fine. Thank you. Just because there's tears in my eyes. We can't show emotion because it gets in the way of ego. Well, and, um, you know, I, I actually, I would love to coin a term right now. I've actually thought about patronizing it. (laughs) I would love to call this being psycho psychomatic, meaning that we've entered a point in time where psychology can be now um, weaponized and and again, we're seeing this, it's not just the, the doctors and stuff. Like I said, there's now persons, like I said, such as hackers that are actually cluing into this and have now d- fucking Russia. <laughs> Russia knows this. That's why the, the, the people living in their country have no fucking clue what's going on in Ukraine. Something's flashing on my screen. Um, so you can weaponize psychology. And the problem is, is if you are at the other end, you are screwed in many of the cases. Um, Gaslighting, narcissism. Gas, I don't really call it gaslighting because in order to gaslight, you have to think, you have to know that you're gaslighting somebody. You you like, gaslighting is a tactic that is used as abuse. That's not really what professionals are doing. It's ignorance. It is but it sheer feels ignorance. like gaslighting if you've ever experienced it before. If you are so on if you the other have end, CPTSD yes. PTSD and you've been in an abusive relationship that maybe you've gotten away from, and then you go into a medical office and they use the same, what feels like the exact same mm-hmm. tactics, you're going to experience it yes. as gaslighting. As, and you will have traumatic experience just, just by being there. And it's, it's so weird because this is supposed to be your your healthy place, the place where you go for help with, with the mental health and they're making it worse. And this is how many people lost trust in the system. And then when the pandemic hit, the shit flew (laughs) and it, 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 believe it or not, the majority of the persons that I know who have some sort of chronic illness and have been in the system a long time had the same feelings that I did that vaccine mandates particularly in your own country i can't control what goes on in another country they have other vaccines you have to take before you go there that's fine that's their fucking business but in my own country to limit people to move about in their own country with as little evidence and the fact that it didn't prevent um uh, infection and all that sort of stuff and it was in the middle of the disease scale to me was not morally right. And even though I'm triple vaxxed, I did never agreed with that part, particularly because I know you can be sensitive to things. And at the same time, we do not have a vaccine. Um, uh, uh, what do you want to call it? Um, 
where you get retribution or, or no, oh no no there's report that, well, that's a whole other fucking it's talk. a hard deal <laughs> I could tell you that because I found out I was allergic to peg from my second vaccination because I I felt a little I had a, I felt a lot of pressure to get vaccinated so my kid could go to school and and so I did. And everybody's like, well, you have MS, you need, you know, I'm, my immune system's already screwy. Like, I don't really, you know, I'm not really into this. I wasn't, you know, and, and I don't know, like, I asked about my hypersensitivity. And it was even mentioned that I had been saying in March of 2021 that I was, um, I was experiencing an allergic response to a peg light laxative that, that they had put me on because of my MS. And they kind of fluffed over that because I had an immunologist say that I was crazy, right? So they didn't listen to me. And then I, so I had a, I had a second shot and I had an allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. Now I had to call health units. I had, I tried to report through my doctor. They're like, no, you have to self-report. So I tried to self-report that didn't like, I mean, I don't even, I don't even, you know, but I, when I finally did get a hold of somebody at a health unit, which was really, really hard. I kept getting 1-800 numbers and then the 1-800 numbers would give me zero information. And like they said, try calling telehealth. I called telehealth. Telehealth Ontario is a bunch of nurses that answer the phone. They were like, oh my God, absolutely do not get a booster, but I have no idea what to tell you or where to go. And so like, it, it's, it's, it's a, a gone show. show. Um, <laughs> my eldest son had a reaction, continuous reaction. It was getting worse every single year. Uh, to the point where finally he had a rash this big on his arm and the lump and the pain did not stop for uh, over a year. He still has a pinpoint mark where that went in. That was like five years ago was his last flu shot. And I'm fine and my youngest is fine. But the eldest, for whatever reason, he, he gets a massive urticaria rash and it was increasing every year. It started off this big, then the following year was this big. Then he got the nasal spray. This is during H1N1. He was born in 2009 and then they didn't get have the nasal sprays the next year. So then he had to get the shot again. It got bigger. We reported it. Apparently there was a, uh, they did an investigation and I do this because when you hear why and what happened, you, it equals this an investigation. (laughs) (laughs) I get this call. And they say, well, do you have pictures? And I was like, well, yeah. So I sent them the pictures. I get a call like three months later and they're like, oh yeah, so-and-so a dermatologist looked at the photos and stated that it wasn't from the vaccine. Number one, nobody had seen him physically. Nobody did a challenge test. What was funny about that was, oh, just wait, hold on. What was funny about that, Candace? (laughs) (laughs) I had had a dispute with dermatologists about one year before due to the fact that a dermatologist before I got sent to the immunodermatologist refused to look at my photos of my diseases oh right because not empirical evidence Kyla you can't use photos to tell then, a doctor things. Well, exactly the report that came back stated that dermatologists in general do not like looking at photos and diagnosing from them because a there hasn't been a proper investigation the photos can be grainy and therefore they do not get that they cannot they can't they can't diagnose from it but they'll sure accept three or four photos in a vaccine investigation like it was so fucked up so here i am i have i still have them I still have both reports and they're completely conflicting upon each other. And then you sit there and you talk to people and you try to argue with them. 
people that have never been in the healthcare industry at all. And they're sitting there and they're like, everyone should have a vaccine. And it says this and says that they have investigations. And I'm like, really? Have you, yeah. have, you, have, you have you seen their investigative skills? If this went to court, mm, yeah. they would I'm, lose. <laughs> I have so, so much to say on all of that. But that's another Candace for another day. <laughs> anyway like I said, this is why yeah, so we're a little mangled we're a little mangled here but um it's all about mental health like i mean if you're like to track back to my having an allergic response to the vaccine like the only reason that there was even any hesitancy in saying yeah absolutely candace like like there was hesitancy at my primary care providers not with the health unit not with telehealth no nothing like that but m- mostly for my primary care provider because they, first of all, I don't get a choice, right? I don't get to pick, I don't, can't pay for my healthcare that we have public healthcare here in Ontario. And it takes years to find a new family doctor. If you leave one clinic or you want to change a doctor within a clinic, then you're going to lose um, possibly some other supports. And so you just can't, you can't change doctors. So if you don't like your doctor and your doctor doesn't listen to you, well, then you have a problem because that's the most important relationship in your health. And like, let's track back to how it, you know, I have a doctor who thinks that, um, that she is the authority on my mental health and she's wrong. And I have a psychiatrist and a psychologist and they'll tell her she's wrong eventually because we'll get there. But I just like this, this whole ego thing. She says she's repeated herself to me, Candace. I don't know how many times I've told you we had a case conference with my systems navigator and my social worker because my systems navigator thinks that my healthcare is being mismanaged. So do I. And my social worker was there to support me. And he, the, all she did was like stand her ground, look offended when my social worker and systems navigator came together and said, no, 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 you have to listen to Candace and do some of the referrals that she's asking for. And I think it's perfectly reasonable that she asked you not to decide when you can drop a referral because you think it has to do with her mental health. And so she, but she kept saying, she just doubled down and reminded me, Candace, I've told you before, anxiety can bring on symptoms. And it was like, it was just like, okay, fine. So my, I just went, I would just like to be able to come to you when I need a referral and I think I'm going to just manage things with diet and like, I'm out, I'm not dealing with this person anymore. And so what do I do now? I don't want to deal with the MS clinic because of how cold it is and the the systems that they're forced to work within, whether the doctor wants to help or not, they can't, they get five minutes with a patient. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and that's a system issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's not that they don't want to try to help but they don't have the time. I'm an anomaly. I have a grocery list and they just, they just don't have time for it. They want to know what one issue I have that day. Well, (laughs) Candace is a little complicated. That's why I'm on Mondays, right? (laughs) I mean, (sighs) it can go on forever. It it can go on forever. It's psycho. I I call it being psychosychomatic and, and the reason, and that's where we've reached a point in society where now everybody's a psychologist because we've all read 
um, you know, psychology today and all that kind of crap. We think we think we know why people do things. And this is really dangerous because number one, you will never grow. You will never find anything new and you will never figure out disease if you think that way. Um, true investigations are not based on thinking that you already know the answer, you know, and so it really, um, and that was actually what I ran into with my progesterone allergy. They thought they knew me. You know, I saw a, 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 therap a therapist for um, when I was in my 20s, um, not for therapy, but for learning disability assessment that went on for several days and a neuropsychologist. And he embarrassed me. It, it was he. My the interview you first, and I understand why as a support worker, they, they have testing. Yeah. They, they bring your family in or somebody in to try to get the real story. Right. <laughs> you know, and I get it because if you get somebody that is moderately disabled, they often can't tell facts, right. Cause they don't know they're moderately disabled, but I wasn't moderately disabled. Now, of course they don't know that when I'm first going in there, they were checking in due to the medication my mom took when pregnant with me. We were trying to see the after effects because a geneticist deemed that the medication caused me to be petite. Uh, again, I've spoken about the fact that I'm only about 4'10". My rest of my family is all 5'10 or taller. So I'm a petite version of what I should have been. Um, and I had struggled in school and all this sort of stuff. Now, in the report, because it talks about what medication you're on, et cetera, et cetera. It mentions the fact that I am currently on birth control, which we now know was my major allergen. So here I am, I'm a young woman, I'm 20 years old. I'm complaining about all these symptoms, systemic symptoms. I'm actively taking birth control. My dad comes in, gives some information. I was nervous about speaking about this in front of my father due to the fact that we had had conflict due to my symptoms before. Now, eventually they separate you. So they interview you with your support person first, and then they separate you and he went away. And that was just myself and the, the head psychologist, neuropsychologist. And he and I are trying to talk and we get to the symptoms part. And I quickly start telling him, I you know, I have this, I have this, I have this, this is wrong. I have extreme sinusitis and this is documented. I needed fucking surgery. And right. the sinusitis doctor, the ear, nose and throat doctor, who's known me since I was a child, because I used to have ear infections. I'm deaf almost in the left ear from ear infections, literally stated I was kept overnight after sinus surgery, which is incredibly rare because I wouldn't stop bleeding. And the next day, all of this infection was coming out of my nose and it stunk like I was in the shower, it just reeked. And I called the office and she says, oh, honey, he says that's the infection coming out because it was that bad. Like it was that impacted. It took like a month for all of the, even though they opened up the sinuses for all that infection to come out. It was so gross. And I had polyps in my nose, but I had no allergies apparently, which is all signs of somebody that has allergic reactions. And so this, this was documented, documented. I had been to walk-in clinics. I was getting put on antibiotics almost, and I still have, I went and got copies of my antibiotic usage from the um, uh, pharmacy, Rexall drugs on elbow drive. And mm, with an ENT history, you're going to have tons of antibiotics, right? No. So 
so I, I have pages and they switched their system. Actually, I'm missing half of it. So over like a five, 10 year period, I have literally five, six, seven pages count this of antibiotic usage. And so um, as this is documented, but he just doesn't have it because that, that from walk-in clinics isn't sent to the GP. So this is right. where the inconsistencies in the system start causing problems, right? Uh, big time. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and he sits there. And he says, what does, what do the doctors say? Like he interrupts me when I'm talking and I try explaining myself again. And he says, and he interrupts me again, very firmly. What do the doctors say? And I hung my head and I stared at the floor because this is, again, this is starting to have flashbacks of my family and, and things that I've have, you know, not being listened yeah. to by my family and stuff like that. And I dropped my head and being in the industry, I fuck, I had an abnormal psych already by this age. I had already been through abnormal psych and had passed it with fucking flying colors. And I'm staring down at the floor because I already fucking knew. And I, I looked down and I said, they can't find anything. And you, I felt shame. I felt embarrassed that I had told him. <sighs> and let, let, me, let me get this straight to any mental health professionals that ever get to listen to this podcast. Um, your job is to listen to patients. That is why it was created. You are often their last hope if you shoot them down there's a very good chance they're never going to talk to anybody else about it ever again yeah that is why so many patients leave treatment it is not because they're lazy it is not because of i mean i guess you can't say for all you might have some that are it is because of the way they are being treated you have to watch your tone of voice your tone of voice is critical to people with PTSD. You have to stay open-minded because if you do not, you, they will never forget it. And the saddest part is, is this person actually is one of the top people in Alberta, apparently, for disability. Apparently works on both sides, insurance companies and for disabled. But... Um, you know, by Christ, to me, that is freaking scary. <laughs> so and I years was... later, and just hold on one second. Sorry, Candace. Yeah. And then years later, we find out that the very fucking medication that I'm taking that is mentioned in that report is what I was allergic to. And when I made a complaint about them, he stayed silent. How fucking dare you? And uh -huh. this is why people do not trust you. And this is why I've said in my intro, in terms of healthcare, oftentimes you have done it to yourself. You reaped what you sowed during the pandemic. There, I'm done. Yeah. You go. No, no it's <laughs> go okay. On, because as you talk about you know, I, I was jumping, I was flashbacking to several different moments in my life, right? And, but, you know, this 
this thing about the doctor being the top doctor, right? So I had a mental health professional. Now, this is years ago. And it was it I just now have started trusting talking to another couple of mental health professionals because this program that I, I did get in years ago when I stopped the man who was giving me a pie chart. Now, that was a psychiatrist drawing me this pie chart and telling me why he couldn't refer me to a mental health program. And so I get in this program and this top doctor, he was supposed to be the best in the country um, surrounding bipolar disorder, which we still don't know that I actually have. Just, just going to say that. Um, I was diagnosed with bipolar type two, which is one that never experiences mania. Um, I may or may not in my life have experienced mania. I'm not really sure yet, but this doctor, he put me on drugs that like were known to cause problems with pre-existing conditions that he should have been paying attention to that were in my chart that he knew about. Okay. So I was really screwed up by some of the psychiatric drugs that he put me on. I even had to see an immunologist years ago because of a psychiatric drug, Epivil, um, that was tried for me. And it did not, it didn't help me in any way, but it did cause all kinds of cysts on my ovaries and problems with my hormones and then all kinds of allergies cropping up and, and prompted me to see the immunologist that diagnosed me with hypersensitivity and diagnosed me with um, chronic urticaria. Uh, and then he put me on another drug, just, just trying, right? Cause it's, they were always shooting in the dark. If, if any good doctor worth a salt, would admit that that they're just trying what they what they can see if anything works and if it doesn't they'll try something else they're like a mechanic right trying to find the noise in the car so they he puts me on lithium and that aggravates another pre-existing condition and it's one that i've mentioned when we did our sun episode my my hs and the boils i started having boils on my breasts and lips which was not something that i had experienced before and i said i think this is making this worse so he went all, so all of this, right? So I bring to his, his attention that he's made a mistake. And what does he do? He has his, like, he draws up this letter of, of like discharge for me saying that um, I was a non-compliant patient when he told me that mm-hmm. he didn't want to give me any more drugs. He said I was a non-compliant patient for not taking my medications. First of all, it's in the patient bill of rights. Anybody that's ever been to a mental health care facility at all should know this. It is your right to talk about your medications and to refuse medications if you feel that they are causing harm. Unless now, they take if, guardianship. Unless you have, yeah, if they take, you. Yeah, yeah. Unless you have your rights taken away, which is also possible. Yeah. And, but I did not. They just discharged me. They did not want to have me around because, and then they, they tried to disparage me in a way that was atrocious. Um, I had um, I had a Children's Aid Society called on me and was told, they, they, get, they were given this list of like things like Candace smokes pot and we think she might be an introvert and hiding her kid. Like all, that, all they had to do was Google me 
like CAS actually gave me a letter saying like, we're not even like, we're closing your file and here's why. And I've never seen a letter like that given to anybody. It was very like the CMHA, the Canadian Mental Health Association told me I had grounds for litigation. However, a doctor told me that the doctor community is very small and don't be the patient who's known to sue doctors. So I never went, I never did anything about it except for stop telling anybody <laughs> anything about my mental health. And that's, that's what is so dangerous is the fact that, and then this is, um, you know, when patients usually become non-compliant, it's usually due to the disastrous uh, experiences that they've had in healthcare. And, and again, we're not, we're not going to move on as a society and figure out uh, like, (sighs) My condition would have just eventually just led to my death. And I, I can't imagine how many women have probably passed away from being allergic to their hormones up until this point in time due to the ignorance of people around them, professionals, family members, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, you know, the way that they would have past on top of it i mean they would have just been written down as idiopathic um uh uh anaphylaxis you know because they wouldn't have known a cause they just died from anaphylaxis and that's it you know so the this is what i mean if you are so closed off in terms of you know being a professional you're never going to discover new things and well, people say, well, we have researchers. That's true. If you did it a different way, you probably would get further quicker. <laughs> well, if, you know what? <laughs> I like if you soon, actually listen to the positive, I got to add some positive because I, as I say, currently I have a psychologist who listens. I mean, that's his job and he knows it. Right. But I, I mean, and I wouldn't have access to that. It's not paid for by my health care, my health coverage. The only reason I have access to it is because I have access to a health clinic that deals with people who are at risk of homelessness. So because I'm so poor and so destitute and, you know, then, then yeah, okay, I get access to this clinic. However, anyways, back to the positive. <laughs> they also hooked me up with a psychiatrist. Now, something refreshing, and I'm 38 years old, And this is the first time that I have ever encountered a psychiatrist. And I'll tell you, I've encountered many because I've been looking for how to navigate my particular brain workings. Now, I'm closer to figuring it out and I think I might have ADHD. But this doctor, this new psychiatrist has, so far we've had two full hours and he hasn't mentioned any diagnoses. He said, I need another hour. I would like to get to know you better. And I just went like, what, who are you? At one point, as he was asking me some questions, I said, well, I'm no doctor. So I can't, you know, I can't really speak to this. He said, why would you say that? And I looked at him and I said, well, because in my experience, doctors don't like you to talk about knowing anything about your own personal health. And what he said to me was, that's our job. It's your health care. And I just like, 
almost wanted to cheer and get out some noisemakers and be like who are you I, I I literally said like you that that is so refreshing and thank you because that is not the norm and he shook his head like he nodded his head like yeah I understand it's not the norm but here we are and um so the to, premise... to okay. come from a positive standpoint like there are there are professionals who are wanting to learn, who are willing to change with the times, who are willing to do more research. And, and I think we need to highlight some of them too. Maybe invite them on, invite other patients on. Like, let's let's have more talks about this. Yes, I mean, that's that's where we run into a problem. Like I run into that with immunodermatologists. I mean, that's what she stated. She said, you know, um, when I started crying in front of her the first appointment, right after she said, you know, um, if you didn't, weren't researching, I would be more worried because then that means that you wouldn't, you don't care about yourself. Um, it's, um, you know, she's, she turned and looked at the students and said, you know, when I was bawling and she, not in a snarky way, in a way, like literally look at what this does to them. You know, you need to look at this as a doctor, you need to see, uh, what the disease, the healthcare system, families, friends, what, what this has done to them. And then she says, I'm sorry, you know, especially when I talked to her about my miscarriage, you know, cause that happened six months after I saw that, um, um, neuro, uh, psychologist, um, you know, she says, I'm sorry that happened to you. You know, so the, the problem is, is that there's so few, but what's interesting is the ones that do it seem to be, um, they seem to go further. So from a professional perspective, it is not smart to be closed-minded. You are a scientist. That is what you signed up to be. So the second you become closed-minded, the second you start writing notes about a patient, sending it to another doctor, that will change that doctor's perception of that patient. You have now stepped over, not no longer um, having a control in terms of a, a scientific experiment to see if that doctor is going to um, agree with you or not. And that is why that immunodermatologist does not look at files until she meets the patient because well, and she I'd wants wager, to form her own perception first before she takes a look. I'd wager that some of these doctors are actually causing harm, right? Well, we, do, we know these, they these, are. These doctors who step out of line as far as saying things about a patient's mental health when they have no no place no place I had a gastroenterologist say that I needed a psych workup because I'm talking about allergies when I asked him to take a biopsy and hold it for my mast cells and what we now know is that um, there is a direct relation in between allergies and brain fog and mental health so and and again patients have been saying this forever (laughs) You know, yeah. so if you had listened to the patients a hundred years ago, you would have had this already figured out, you know, so it's, um, it's like persons with progesterone allergy, but stating that it's systemic, which is now why they're just changing the name from autoimmune progesterone dermatitis to being progesterone hypersensitivity because it's actually a systemic disease. Well, we could have told you that. Yeah. You know? So anyways, I think we, we do have to end this. We've been talking really oh, we long. Do, we do. So but but is, I think, yeah, let's, let's ask the listeners, right? 
comment if you think that you have a direction that we touched on that you'd like to go in and and you know just email kyla or uh, her team at info at the patient's perspective.com and kyla you can take it from here yeah i mean for myself i'd like to do another one solely on terminology in terms of uh how patients are spoken about in the reports um, I mean, that's why police officers, when you're writing a report, they ask you to leave out any kind of emotional um, wording because that can come back and bite you and, and ref- that, that could cause an entire case to be thrown out in court if the judge gets any inkling that there's been <coughs> writings that could have changed the police officer's perception on uh, whatever case that, that that they're dealing with, and the same has to be looked at in terms of healthcare. These emotional, these um, you know, ones that can change somebody's personality or change somebody's perception of somebody of a patient um, needs to end. Well, wouldn't it be nice, Kyla, if we could get one of these psychologists um, or doctors that have their own podcasts that are pretty vocal about their truths to come on and, and give us a talk about some of this stuff. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gunning for Z-Dog. I'll be- <laughs> all right. Well, well, I'll go after Dr. Jordan Peterson. How about that? <laughs> Him as well. Yeah, let's go after <laughs> Peterson and Z-Dog. Yeah. All right. All right. We've dropped a lot of names here today, guys. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm going to, I'm going to sign off. Okay. All right. Well, listeners, um, I hope you've enjoyed this talk. It's going to be our longest one yet, but it, it is the most one that patients talk about the most on um, majority of forums. doesn't matter the disease or the condition, which is why it can be talked about for literally ages. So with that, uh, we hope that you have a, a nice and, and wonderful uh day bye for yeah, now unpack all of that and enjoy yep. thanks so much <laughs> bye for now i'm so happy you were able to join in and listen to us today if you have an episode idea or would like to share your story please email me at info at the patientsperspective.com or join our facebook page under the same name From all of us who are working hard bringing patient issues to light, thank you for tuning in and supporting the patient's perspective.